Welcome to the Mortal Realms and Age of Sigmar story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the Age of Chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies through the wreckage of Excelsis this episode are... Hey, I'm Paul, and uh, Gorg Hunters, that reminds me of something. Generals gathered in their masses! <laughs> nice. All right. Nice. I am Josh, and just like the crew boys, we're going to swamp you with wonderful lore and bog you down with the awesome background of the Oric Warclans. Nice. And I'm Davey, standing in for Aaron. And guys, I got a question for you. Hmm. What do you it call is. a group of singing gut rippers on a boat? Oh, <laughs> did I already? I don't know. What do you call them? <laughs> a cruel croon cruise crew. Oh, ah, nice. nice. <laughs> I like it. In this episode, we cover the lore of the Oroch War Clan's battle tome. Get ready to hear a whole lot of smashing, bashing, and Excelsis crashing. And then, if we have time after all that, we'll talk about those cruel boys. Mm. How are you doing tonight, boys? I got to figure out. Uh, I got to figure out how to make sure everyone can hear the Z when I'm when I'm pronouncing my plurals in this episode. No, how are you doing tonight, boys? It's <laughs> <laughs> perfect. That's gonna that's gonna be fresh all episode long. What, yep. What's going on? I'm going to see if I can interrupt you answering this question as many times as possible. Just get the chaos TM, 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 TM. <laughs> um, I am doing uh, fantastic. I'm mm. super excited to record an episode. So, Likewise. Yeah, it's been a while for me, so I'm uh, super happy to get a chance to read through this and contribute. Yeah, we should address the uh, elephant in the room. Aaron has quit the cast. <laughs> He's uh, He just can't take it anymore. We've abused him too many times. Yeah. Um, uh, no, he's he's got uh, family obligations uh, of a good kind, so uh, we're giving him the night off, um, and uh, well, night off in so much as he won't be sleeping for quite some time. But there we go. yeah, he's got a mammoth <laughs> task ahead of him. For sure. Yeah, I know. Uh, he's made he's made the error like Paul has made in getting himself outnumbered <laughs> in his household. So exactly, <laughs> happy error. Anyway, <laughs> um, what have you guys been up to? Um, Josh, why don't you go ahead? We haven't heard from you in forever. Yeah. The list should <laughs> sure. be so very long. Uh, yeah. No, I've been working on uh, some terrain, getting my 3D printer back up and going. I've actually been uh, enjoying uh, a Mansions of Madness board game, so I picked it up Ooh. some figures for that. All right. Nice. And uh, I've also been, uh, Pavin and I have got some ideas in the works for Dogs of War Cry, so I've been assembling a portion of the uh, Cruel Boys so that we could try out that uh, Cruel Boys age, uh, you know, uh, Stormcast uh, campaign that uh, Games Workshop put out. So we're going to try that for Warcry and then be able to give a, at least a, you know, a review of it, how it went for us. So yeah, a lot of fun things in the works. Tasty. Nice. 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 What about you, Paul? Um, well, I am still plugging along on my Harkiron Force. I have four figures left to finish a thousand points of painted. So that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. But I've been distracted, as uh, so often happens with me, um, and have started assembling a Living City Dawnbringer Crusade. Wow! And getting super into uh, my conversions in it, so I'm I'm super excited to reveal that in the relatively near future. Awesome! Are you? Uh, have you been nervous about uh, making your first conversions ever? Yes, I mean, <laughs> super weird. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it sounds right, right in character for you. Um, mm-hmm. myself, I actually finished, uh, 
I finished uh, my Eyes of the Nine Warband, uh, and these were converted up. I did a, they're the Eyes of the Cabal, because I used Corvus Cabal bits on them. I noticed that Vortimus has got that one wing, and I thought I wanted to lean into that whole vibe. Uh, I was pretty happy with it. As usual, like the execution didn't quite match what I what I hoped for, but I was still pretty happy with it. So um, They look great. Let's see some pictures. Yeah. Uh, thanks. I I, uh, I threw them up and got some, got some good... Uh, comments back so that's cool uh, i did some uh objectives for vint uh he needed some for he went to uh was uh i want to say blood Bruce in the badlands city that's brawl. not brew city brawl i know there's a lot of bees yep. in there um but uh he was short some objectives so um i did up some uh some of the terrain pieces that i had from um uh, from night vaults uh they kind of those floating gems or whatever yeah, um, nice. I like those. Yeah, I got really lucky. I, I did like a, 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 it was a technique that I didn't intend to do, but I, I did like the, um, uh, <laughs> what the contrast undercoat, like uh, mm-hmm. a gracier. And then uh, I just like put a heavy, heavy coat, uh, but it's a real broad, flat surface. And so then it was all kind of like uh, not quite marbleized, but almost like a watercolor effect on there. Uh, nice. but then when you kind of make the rest of it a little more edge highlighted around it, uh, it, it creates sort of a contrast in textures, even though it's, it's totally flat. So, uh, one of those things that looks good and was totally unintentional. I thought I was, I was just trying to shade something and did a very bad job, but, uh, what's Bob Ross is happy accidents, something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, exactly. Happy accidents. That's funny. Cause I have those exact same terrain pieces and I did the exact same thing with the contrast to make it kind of pool in the middle to give it a bit of a sense of depth. So Ooh, all right. now I feel like I have to edge highlight the, uh, outside of the panels to make it look better. <laughs> we should compare. We should see how, how, uh, it turned out the various, cause I was not trying to pull, I was trying to pull at the edges. So Ooh, nice. Yeah. Perimeter oh. inimical, so to speak. <laughs> nice, I like it. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we can say this because Aaron's not here, but I, I caved a little bit and I actually uh, I've assembled some uh, kill team uh, Deathcore Krieg. Just oh. really like the models a lot, so mm-hmm. um, we'll see. Uh, nice. We'll see where that goes. But uh, I got war bands to do. I got other stuff to do. I was thinking about Slanesh today and maybe figuring out somebody to run me through some Path to Glory, some kind of small thing. So. Lots of options. Well, or, uh, I am all in on Path to Glory. So uh, we know. that's what that's I hear. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. are more than welcome to hit me up um, when I have a chance. And I okay. will, I've already got two different campaigns going and I'm about to start a third. So, <laughs> wow. This guy. You got to get my hobby hero. In there then. Yeah. I, well, I've been super lucky. Um, will Sever, friend of the show. Um, has been coming over to my house and playing like once a week. And I was mm. able to actually get out of the house on Sundays when uh, Vint started his Path to Glory League. So mm. I've got probably 15 to 20 games in. Wow. And then Paven came over on Saturday. or Yeah, uh, which was amazing. And we played in my driveway. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So like I've been like getting hobby overload with like getting games in. It's amazing. Sounds excellent. And he actually gave me some really nice advice on my conversions for my Living City army too. So I'm I'm super pumped. I would take Paven's advice on anything. That guy. <laughs> exactly. Like Sharkin. I know you came over here to play games, but come tell me how to do my army better, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, we need to talk some uh, war clans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul, you want us to lead us in the story phase here? Sure. The story phase. 
In the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the Nine Realms. The throaty roar of the Auric resounds across the realms. It is a challenge to every other living creature. And in the era of the beast, it is louder than ever. Very nice. All nice. right. Well, we're going to get straight down to business. We got to talk the W's, right? So mm. this is, uh, it's been a little bit since we did a, a battle tome. You guys were doing Broken Realms there. And mm-hmm. uh, so for those not familiar, we, we kind of match it. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll be following some of our usual. Uh, and then uh, Paul's done a good job. We got some listener questions. So we're going to try and hit those as we, as we go through. So, uh, who they are, uh, who, who is actually getting covered here in this, in this, uh, I, I know it kind of says it on the, on the cover, but if you're brand new, uh, to this, to this game, uh, what did you expect to be reading about in here, Josh? The Oryx, which, you know, they've, uh, they continue to expand this race, I think in Age of Sigmar. So originally they were kind of the, the bone splitters from previous versions and then the iron jaws were the big big new faction, and now they've added crew boys. And so they're all different aspects of Gorka Morka, which I think is interesting. Uh, the the gits are, you know, in a different battle tome. So this is just those particular green skins of a larger size. Although you could say Hopgrots are, you know, kind of in the, in the, in the middle somewhere, and they kind of fall into the crew boys. Are they even green? But, uh, What's going on? Yeah. Yeah, Questions. Right. <laughs> More at nine. Uh <laughs> All right, so that's what we're talking about. Um, what uh, where do they come from? Like, so we'll, we'll give give the the let's talk about like kind of the the racial origin, but then like you know where where do little where do little oryx come from as well, mm-hmm. Paul? <laughs> um, so they kind of come from all over the realms. We've had this understanding for Age of Sigmar that orcs are just kind of here, right? Um, but the book really focuses on the three major types of orcs in the realms. So you've got the, the savage orcs, the cruel boys and the iron jaws. The savage orcs are also known as the bone splitters. Um, and they do come from all over the realms, like most of the other races and where little baby orcs come from is actually a, a, a matter of contention. Um, as I, I, I'm going to hit it super early here as the unreliable narrator of these <laughs> battle tomes, always comes in you're an unreliable narrator you're absolutely correct (laughs) that's the whole reliable reliable. reliably unreliable (laughs) i'm reliably unreliable every single time um so there is definitely a head nod to the idea that orcs are spores or fungus um there's also a alternative theory that they reproduce like typical normal um humans do as well um, but there was a little fun thing where it described an orc dying. Yeah, if I find you mean gross, a, but carry on. That's fair. Uh, there was a brand new word. I actually had to look up. Um, Deliquescing? Deliquescing? Yeah, deliquescing. I was like, <laughs> what in the heck is that yeah. word? But it literally means to like rot into a liquid composition, basically. Yep. Yeah. And if an auric's body is allowed to rot into a liquid composition then apparently just little oryx spring from it, according to the third theory, which I thought yeah. was like kind of super fun and ridiculous at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's so, one of those words that sounds like it means, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. right. Exactly. This is out of <laughs> Zantaster's Beastiary of Gur, and I didn't do the research to figure out if we've ever seen reference to that before, but, yeah, uh, 
I would like to see one of those published by GW at some point, like those, uh, what was the, Ooh. the chaos tomes they did or like the, uh, some, some of the, uh, just pure background tomes they did back in the, uh, old world days. That'd yeah, be pretty, that'd be, that'd be pretty fun. fun. Um, so this actually is our first question from discord. Uh, this is from the forest dissonance. Are they actually mushrooms? <laughs> yes. Maybe. Question mark. Yeah. Um, it's one of the three theories, so definitely possible. Maybe. Right. I don't know. Yeah. They, 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 when they talk about like, do they uh, reproduce in a more traditional way? It's like nobody's built like getting close enough to check. I'm like, you can't <laughs> tell me somebody hasn't like taken a peek on a battlefield at some point, like piles <laughs> of dead orgs. Somebody's, somebody's taken a I don't know. There's got to be orcs in yeah. kilts somewhere. Right, exactly. I mean, there's orcs in loincloths, right? That's even yeah. less less coverage than a kilt. So, anywho, let's move that on from that one. the coverage we want to talk about <laughs> yeah. in this uh, episode. Yeah. Orcs after dark. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, how about uh, where they call home? Um, so, like, uh, another one of our, our W's... Um, we, we, you said that, you know, they, they call every realm home. Are there any cool uh, things you found about like uh, places? Like it, is there one place that's more home than others? And then what other cool like spots have you seen? Yeah, I'll chime in. Uh, obviously mm-hmm. the, the book does say that they're not found in Azir. So, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Um, it, and it kind of alludes, it doesn't directly say, but I, all the Oryx, all the, you know, kind of come from Gur, you know, I think is where they all started. And mm-hmm. then, you know, as, as they followed Gorkamorka, I think they spread throughout the realms after that. But, um, but I think, you know, a lot of the specific, uh, factions or unique factions that they describe in the book are kind of set in Gur, which makes sense. It's the realm of the beasts and yeah, they've adapted to it, uh, strive there so there's there's a lot of gur in this book like it it yeah. comes up a lot and I, I think at one point it's it's like uh no race more represents the raw bestial fury of of gur than the orcs and i can imagine like you know like bray herds in the background with a tear rolling down like am i a joke to you like what are you <laughs> 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 uh but yeah so uh obviously gur heavy on the home, but they're, they're all over, right? Like we're seeing that. Yeah. There's a, a couple of references to scrap a spill, um, yep. which is in the realm of metal mm, uh, right. in Ayata. And mm-hmm. then there's also a couple of references to Shayesh, mm. which is kind of fun. Um, yeah. So yeah. they, they've kind of gone the standard route of, yes, they're from Gur, but here's a couple other interesting, different takes on what their culture might look like if they were from a different realm which yeah. I, I super appreciate it. I always love those little diversions. So, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, I'm going to jump us slightly ahead briefly because this is a, this is a, a note that we see later and it, it revolves around place and I really liked it. So I'm going to steal it for myself because I'm hosting. Cool, cool. You can't stop me. Uh, <laughs> there is, there is a, uh, apparently there's a small society of, uh, cruel boys that are in, uh, Nurgle's garden. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. They apparently poisoned an area so bad that it ended up ended them up in Urgo's garden. But they're so like wily and crafty that they have their own like weird, uh, like devolved culture that is still existing. And Urgo's like, yeah, pretty good, you guys. You can mm-hmm. you can keep kicking it here, um, which uh, which I thought was pretty fun. And having read uh, the garden, was it Garden of Urgo? What was the uh, 
Hmm. Plague Garden. Plague Garden. Having read Plague Garden, I can buy it. Like mm-hmm. uh, Nurgle's Garden is is uh, a varied place. So yeah, really, they basically just like we're so into it that they brought Nurgle's Garden into the realms, mm-hmm. and Nurgle is just like, "Yep, totally, I buy it." <laughs> so it's it's one of those places where the realm is super thin. So yeah, yeah, it was a cool cool point. Uh, but like you said, everywhere, Shyish, Nurgle's Garden. Um, mm-hmm. I want to know more about the uh, the underworlds that have been taken over by uh, Orcs. Yep. So. <laughs> yep, I know. Yeah, that's that that's one of my favorite things. We're going to get to those soon. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be awesome. Um, uh, well, so what else? The, the book, you know, we don't really know much about the Orc afterlife. And a lot of the book kind of indicates that, you know, maybe they dissolve into this green energy and become part of Gorkamorka. But there's one uh, a section of the book that talks about these auric paradises because there have been aurics seen in Shaiish and some of the uh, in the underworlds where the you know different gods and different paradises exist. But uh, but it goes on to say that aurics are so well known for just randomly jumping into realm gates, even those with swirling ghostly faces, that you know they have just found <laughs> underworlds and populated them, so they don't yeah. actually have a paradise there per se but they've just taken it over as their own <laughs> right i like that it kind of leaves it as like like yeah maybe there is one or maybe it's just like these crazy dudes are flying flying into the realm of shash I, I like that uh, about them quite a bit yeah um, um go ahead one other point that they they really bring up a lot in this book um is that the oryx are the children of gorkamorka um, who is the destruction god. Mm-hmm. And uh, they talk about how Mork is really the one who is worshipped or embodied by the Cruel Boys. Mm-hmm. And Gork, who is uh, fighty but cunning, is embodied by the Iron Jaws, whereas the Bone Splitters are Gorka Morka combined. So that'll be a, a theme that keeps popping up over and over again. So... Mm-hmm. Where do they come from? They definitely come from Gorka Morka. They come from this this feeling of destruction um, and wanting to cast down societies um, and get into a big scrap all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the the overall rundown. Should we uh, get into the history of these dudes? Yeah. One right. thing the the details. The little like call outs in this book are fantastic. And uh, before we get into the history of the race, there's three uh, beasts that are named that I just want to know 700 more things about. Um, <laughs> one of them is just says uh, colossal insectoids mm-hmm. are something that they deal with. Um, burrowing squig ticks, which sounds disgusting. Yeah. Um, and uh, Myrmidon ants. So those are all things where, like, please tell me more. I want yeah. to know a lot more about these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of interesting uh, <laughs> fauna and, you know, creatures living in Gur, sounds like. <laughs> yeah. There's, you know, there's a, there's an interest, like, they have these, uh, they have, the, like, the call-out books. Do you guys notice there were, like, these little phrases? And I couldn't figure out how they decided when these phrases would go in. Sometimes they're attached to a picture. Sometimes they're just at the bottom of a page. Like if you look at the end of page 13, it's like, if you grab a weakling, snap his neck. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like, and it's not, it's not on every page. Like I was flipping around and I could not figure out the rhyme or reason. Uh, 
There's one that's above a picture on uh, uh, page 19. Iron is good for crumping, but gold is naff all use. Like, <laughs> yep. uh, and it, like they're just these cool sayings. They they reminded me like of the, you know, if you're reading 40K stuff, they always have like the thought for the day scattered around. Right. This was like the, this is like the war clans thought for the day. It was really fun for some reason. Chicken and, soup for the Oryx soul. I yeah. liked it. I liked it. I, did you guys see this or am I? Was yeah, I, I did. Okay. Yep. I, did fun. you did yeah. you find any pattern to it? Uh, no. no, it was literally just like, oh, we got some space. Yeah, the time yep. of the Oryx, yep. he's here, so you better watch it. Kind of as a cruel boy, brutal as a brute. Yeah, what? Yeah. It wouldn't be very Oryx-y. Yeah, like right. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's one, and this this one seems attached to uh, this is the last one I'll mention for now. But like, there's there's a big gore grunt to charge, and over at the side of the picture, like turn side, it says respect the pig. <laughs> like, all right uh if you say so yeah. i guess all right yeah cool. yeah well this is a reference to pig iron in the book too that was oh, that's pretty hilarious. sweet yeah yeah i think i've seen that one in uh in previous tomes so it was i as i started like oh i think i remember this and getting a chuckle out of it anyway mm-hmm. um let's start where it always starts in the age of myth um mm-hmm. and here's you know this is a spot where uh Historically, we've seen this where it splits up Age of Myth, Age of Chaos, Age of Sigmar. Uh, and in the past, we've often seen this as here's um, here's some example battles that happened. And that's not, there's it's not that there's none of those, but by and large, this section it almost became a, a timeline, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it's a, it's more of like a, a history written out, I think was, was you, you were saying, uh, yep. Paul. So. Mm-hmm. There's a couple uh, pieces, but I, I was I was a little sad because a lot of times I lean on this for like those tasty, tasty treats that they sometimes drop, which are like the little story hooks. Like, yeah, that's uh, and there was a little less of that. Uh, on the other hand, if you're somebody who wants a more complete history of your faction, well, you've got it here. But anyway, yeah, well, uh, so this this ties into a thing we were talking about on one of the last battle tones we talked about where we're getting a new faction the new faction is in an existing other two factions. And so mm-hmm. we're getting more into the, the feeling of where we were in seventh and eighth edition mm. for, for books where we're reading through and trying to find those little bits of information that are new and mm-hmm. that really um, can give us a little bit better understanding of things that are, um, that are going to be a motive force or pushing the narrative ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the fun thing about this one is that we do have a completely new faction. So we've got a bunch of new lore to like go through, but the, the lore, because it's a third of the book is kind of scattered into the other two factions as well. So the new faction, for those that don't know, is going to be the cruel boys. Um, they were released with the dominion box set and they are a new kind of orc that we have not seen before. And so the iron jaws and the, the Savage Oryx have existed in the Age of Sigmar for a while, and we've already had battle tomes with their lore in it. And so we do have some updates for there, but most of the new stuff is going to be here in the Cruel Boys. And so this history of violence is what they call it, and this timeline is really kind of resetting and readjusting a little bit of what the timeline was before, because not only have we added in the Cruel Boys, but we've also added in Kragnos. So we've added in to the present, but we've also filled in some more of the background of the history mm-hmm. of where the Oryx are and what's going on. And that, again, is going to be kind of a 
a theme going through in this battle tome. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I haven't um, read any of the previous battle tomes for the orcs, orcs. So mm-hmm. definitely, it was all fun and new for me. But uh, cool. you guys will oh, have yeah. to chime in where it's really different. Yeah, definitely still enjoyable to read um, and to find those things. But I, I've I've read most of the other stuff. I think last time I read through the orc battle tome, but again, doesn't make it not interesting. And they do add some fun little bits to really bring out that flavor. So, mm. um, so I'm going to go ahead and tackle the first little paragraph here and called the primal times. And the only reason I'm going to bring this up is there's a, a question from Ned uh, in our discord. And it says, I just want to know if beasts of chaos are mentioned. <laughs> and it says, quote, beast headed nomad and they get destroyed. So yes, <laughs> <laughs> the beasts of chaos are mentioned <laughs> moving on yeah it's uh i i predicted that there'd be some story in here of them like dying by the thousands to like you know just getting punked by by cruel boy traps or something like that we, we didn't even really get that they, they no, got we punked, didn't even get that far like, like first they, entry they, they all first died off screen basically so yeah, rough. Uh, sorry ned <laughs> uh, there's a couple um, more tastes from that book later we'll, we'll hit those when they come by not not much yeah uh, uh, the other kind of interesting thing is that yeah. they, they moved on to the twin-tailed comet which is one of the further entries it talks about sigmar is revived but they've already mentioned that the humans are in the realms um, yeah it specifically says when the hairy soft-skinned predecessors of mankind emerge from their caves mm-hmm. uh i was like oh i guess huh like that's so do we, yeah. Do we because, have evolution now? Right. Like what? Well, I don't know if it's evolution, but you know, they, you know, they, you know, and I guess we really don't know how they all end up in the new realms, you know, from mm-hmm. the world that was, to, you know, yeah. whether they just, they were hiding out in the caves or whether they actually evolved or, you know, yeah. Yeah. Them using the word predecessor, like is, yeah. is what kind of introduced some question there. But anyway. Right. Right. Uh, back here in the age of myth as well, there was the Drogruk of Dunce. Mm-hmm. Uh, that empire was doing it. We've heard about that empire before. You guys talked about uh, the last remaining dude there, right? Mm-hmm. Craig knows. Yeah. Yep. Um, they actually teamed up, right? They were the sworn enemies of Shagaths. So there's there's another callback to the Beast of Chaos book, mm-hmm. uh, and you know the Thunderscorn Peaks, which. You know, no surprise, the Thunderscorn are from there or hang out there or, you know, got there as fast as they could. Uh, but uh, it's this thing where they're uh, they're teamed up with the Draconeth to wipe out these, uh, you know. Uh, it's interesting because both both raise the Draconeth and the uh, Drogruk uh, both hate these guys. <laughs> the, they're they're uh, punking on the uh, Shaggoths because they are centaurs and draconic in nature but not quite good enough to be i was like hmm. <laughs> well they said they hmm. had some evil practices yeah that's true uh but then uh kragnos for whatever reason decides to pick a fight with the draconeth mm-hmm. uh which may or may not have saved the shaggoths unintentionally but uh, creates a big realm spanning conflict which ends up getting him imprisoned and if you want to know more about that go back to was any of this new to you paul uh, uh, you're, you're better with the kragnos lore than than i am yeah, so um, they give kind of like a short summary of it here, but then they expand upon it a little bit in the Kragnos unit entry, but it, it's not that much extra. Um, so the interesting thing is that 
we actually get um, the two new Stormcast dragons called out by name mm-hmm. in this battle of the Shagos and the Draconiths and Kragnos. So the two dragons that we're getting in the Stormcast release were here in this battle in the Age of Myth. Mm-hmm. So they are as old as Kragnos, and we're renewing a rivalry that has laid dormant for you know eons sure so i thought that was a a nice kind of touchstone and filling in of that and it was also interesting because obviously they couldn't reveal that these two characters existed because the models hadn't been shown Mm. but we only got this book like what four months ago and already they're adding to the intro uh adding to the the lore so i thought that was super cool and that is something we definitely have never seen before of sorry get a battle town when you say we got this book four months ago, what book are you talking about? Oh, you're talking uh, about Kragnos. Kragnos. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so Kragnos was introduced into the lore like four months ago-ish. Uh, and now we're getting the the War Clans battle tome and his lore is already being updated to include two new models that we saw, what, a month ago. So mm-hmm. um, it, that was fun to, to have that filled in so quickly. Mm. Um and I and I know who those those guys are, right? I already yeah, know right. who those models are. So that that was something that never would have happened in in Warhammer Fantasy Battles. And it's it's wonderful to see this lore engine spinning up and starting to like chug forward so quickly. Yeah. Um. Right. So that that all goes down. We have uh, the twin tailed comet where Dracothian breathes life back into uh, Sigmar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sigmar arrives. Humans are already here. Uh, Gorkamorka, mm-hmm. uh, is rampaging around. He's having a good time. He's finding all kinds of monsters to kill and all that sort of thing. But he wanders in. I do enjoy the name of this, uh, yeah. peculiar god beast known as Drakatoa, uh, mm-hmm. a shapeless landslide <laughs> of sentient amber. That That's a pretty like out there god beast as far as god beasts go. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but he gets stuck in it and he can't club a pile of amber to death. So, uh, he's stuck there waiting until Sigmar comes and lets him out. Uh, and then Gorkamorka, as is his want, is uh, super mad about having been uh, stuck for so long. And so he lashes out and he uh, knocks out Dracothian cold, which, yeah. yikes. Um, right. I mean, it occurs to me, I, I remember this, I'm, I'm scanning it right now. It, uh, it doesn't say this. I imagine he'd headbutted him, but it doesn't. That's, <laughs> right, that's my right. own headcanon there. They do the thing where they brawl for a long time and then they laugh and recognize each other as worthy opponents. And uh, Sigmar recruits Gorkamorka to be the, the uh, roving monster, monster slayer. And Gorkamorka who's like, sweet, that's what I was going to do anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about as tight as that alliance gets, I think. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we know some of the we need some of the story beats from here on out, so we can kind of uh, skim a little bit. I think, Paul, you want to mm-hmm. kind of give us the broad strokes? Yeah. So basically, we start out with this pantheon of order, um, pantheon of destruction and death that Sigmar has arranged, um, and as we all know by this point, um, it does fall apart. Uh, we have the Battle of the Black Skies. We have all of these definitive moments that. Um, really help us to define how the age of myth comes into its downfall. Mm-hmm. We did get one kind of cool detail. Uh, I thought 
which is that when Gorka Morka is ending up being really frustrated with Sigmar, he goes and wanders to the edge of the realm and then he spits off of the, um, <laughs> the realm's edge. Turns which, around, heads back. <laughs> yeah, well, which to me is super interesting because when Slanesh did that, we got Dexessa and and Sex Celsessa. Uh, we got the <laughs> twins um, in the Broken Realms. So, what is going to happen? Like that to me feels like a plant that we're going to get something coming in the future, hmm. which is the offspring of the spit of a god, right? So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, yeah, could be. And the other thing is that um, we've talked about Gorka Morka and we've talked about Gorkan work. And I don't think I actually went through and defined what that means. So Gorka Morka is such a destruction based God that he even fights with himself. And when he fights with himself, he literally splits into two. So he splits into Gork and Mork. But then of course they all end up making up and then joining back together into Gorka Morka again. Yeah, um, and he's a two headed God. You know, correct. So and then uh, the last kind of entry we have in the Age of Myth is that we have the Cruel Boys showing up uh, way after the Pantheon is divided um, and moving into the Age of Chaos. Mm. So we do have them planted as being here for quite a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little retconny, uh, mm-hmm. they're, or they're super sneaky. I think the other piece I didn't quite remember, and this is probably on me. I didn't realize that uh, Gorkamorka had and his war clans had uh, briefly joined up with Sigmar for the Battle of Burning Skies, mm-hmm. kind of the the uh, the last dying of the light before Age of Chaos. Yeah. But Age of Chaos comes nonetheless, mm-hmm. and uh, it's really awful for humans and uh, order and all that. Uh, not so bad for the Greenskins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. They Fighting's all it. you want to do. Yeah. It works out well. <laughs> I, I like again and again of an entry like uh, this bad thing happened, and uh, but actually it was pretty sweet for the orcs because <laughs> they're like, oh yeah, we get to fight. Yeah. So. Um, they we did get. I, I think it was a new detail here is that Archaon tries to take Gur and fails, and then we get this little story of Darkhorn the Devourer, which is yeah. a chaos uh, hero. And his skull is adorning the Baron Spire now. So yeah, you know you're in for trouble. You're you're basically a chaos red shirt if uh, you're a name we haven't <laughs> we haven't heard of before, and you are getting sent to go take on the protagonist of the army book. It's not not going to go well. Not going to work out for you. I am definitely going to have to use that the chaos red shirt. That's a wonderful term. Uh. And then there is the Garden of Theory, and this is so. This is this is the this is what I want. Uh, you know, this is the uh, the thing we already talked about, where they end up making a home territory in the Garden of Nurgle. Like that's the mm-hmm. kind of hooks I really enjoy in in this. And so this is this is one of the juiciest ones that we had in here. Yeah, yeah. yeah and they're like, oh, Nurgle was so impressed, he used them as their, you know, test subjects and gave them lots <laughs> of diseases, and they're still there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, their twisted society still ekes out a life there to this day. <laughs> Oof. Um, but something's got to break up the fun and uh it is sigmar and a stormcast eternals a quick 500 years later come crashing in uh and guess what it's a good thing new dudes to fight oh yeah mm-hmm. um, they're so, happy they're yeah. excited uh and this is uh this is where one of our uh, best known age of sigmar uh iron jaws gets his start and that's uh uh, Gordrak, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, yep. 
Uh, he, uh, there's the, the God beast Fangathrak. We know about this, mm-hmm. right? This is the, this yep. is the God beast that has, it's, it's a giant worm with a, uh, gate in its mouth. Right. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yep. A realm gate in its mouth. And, uh, that's kind of pivotal to, uh, Gordrax rise to power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's the pits of Garantia, which is spider fang, uh, which I always love. Yeah. Um, and, and so we're introduced to him in the crawling pits of Garantia. Uh, and he does manage to, um, get through a storm vault in the bottom to get the first of three things that he's supposed to get. Um, so he's got this magic item. He's got the skull of the bullheaded God beast hammer gourd. Um, and he's first sets his size on the, the, the city of Excelsis. So we're, we're pulling this narrative right into the current time. Um, starting with the age of Sigmar, which is cool. There was a little bit about uh, a, a thing called the Rucka Snork Stampede, mm-hmm. which is basically just a bunch of mounted orcs going crazy and doing stuff. <laughs> um, but we did get a mention and a call out of two free cities of Sigmar called Blackwall and Taberna, um, which I don't know if we've heard from before. So that was kind of a nice little call out of yeah. new yeah, Probably not because they got stampeded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, worst things can happen in, in uh, Age of Sigmar. <laughs> Getting stampeded is actually, you know, quick and, and just painless, hopefully. Yeah. Right. Good point. Especially with some of the descriptions of the crew boys and what they like to do. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's a that's a theme. Uh and so one of our one of our uh next significant occurrences in the in the history of uh the realms is uh the Necroquake uh mm-hmm. comes rumbling through and uh, there's a, uh, of course, there's a whole bunch of ghosts go flying all over the place. And Iron Jaws think it sucks that it's something that doesn't break when you hit them. The cruel boys, like, ah, we're gonna go find more rewarding prey. Uh, but this is where the bone splitters get their chance to, to shine. They call it the Death Storm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's one particular war clan that is particularly well suited for this. That's the Drakfoot, and we'll talk about them a little bit more. They've kind of cut their teeth fighting demons of corn based on where they're they're at so they're used to fighting stuff that uh frustratingly enough does not give up any bones <laughs> when you're when you're uh bone splitters you gotta have those bones uh but uh <laughs> i like that their name for these are spooks of course with the z spooks uh and <laughs> they, they decide like you know what it's our our job to uh kind of root these out so that we can get back to the the real business of scooping up sweet sweet bones uh and kind of similar to uh when we did the dominion episode mm-hmm. where the uh sigmarites ended up being able to kind of fight off some of the uh, banshees once they just kind of believed hard enough yep i mean that's that's what uh that's what the bone splitter is all about they just believe like yeah of course we can chop these things we're awesome and so then yeah. they do you know well, and that's a recurring theme in uh, the Auric lore mm-hmm. is that if the Aurics believe something hard enough, they can kind of make it happen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. It does say, yeah, and I, it says it ultimately saves their allies, the Gargan Scions of Behemoth, from a plague of fear that would otherwise have scarred the collective psyche of their kind. Yeah. Right. Oh, nice yeah, so that, cool. yeah, there was a big story in the Sons of Behemoth battle tome where yeah. as soon as that happened, 
they were like, I'm going to step on this thing and <laughs> nothing happened because it's a ghost. Yeah. And they thought they were invincible. And then all of a sudden they see a mega garden go down and they're like, oh, what they, they can hurt us mm-hmm. and we can't hurt them. And so the rest of his tribe like flees. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we have no idea what's going on. Yeah. And then they tell other tribes and basically the entire Gargant race just starts to believe that they can't actually defeat these ghosts. And it turns into like this route of like, they just don't know what to do until one of them is fighting with the Drakfoot, And he's like, Oh, they, they can do it. Mm-hmm. Well, if they can do it. They're smaller than I am. Of course mm-hmm. I can do it. And then he just starts stomping on him. And then the, the night haunt just absolutely get obliterated. And then he goes and tells his friends, like, oh, no, all you have to do is just, like, believe that you can do it, basically. And it's totally fine. <laughs> and that was it. Like, yeah. literally, that's it was it was a, a much better told story than that brief reverie. But, yeah, yeah uh, it literally is, yep, the, the Dragfoot did save the Gargant race from extinction, basically. <laughs> yeah. That was so. fun to see that reiterated here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we... You know that's the the uh, get through that, and now uh, we're entering is kind of a a sub age of the age of Sigmar. I don't know if this is defined as its own, right? Like we are about to enter the age of the beast. Well, age uh, of beast is definitely a new thing. Okay, like we were in the time of tribulations or soul wars, and right, that right. has ended. I'm just um, uh, wondering, you know, like sometimes it, those are all like these are all under the heading of age of Sigmar, and so mm-hmm. I just wonder for. Uh, etymological or I'm probably not using that right. right. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're still in the age of Sigmar, but tax, the, taxonomic, is that what I'm like? <laughs> yeah, like, probably taxonomy, the taxonomy of this, uh, time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, etymology, etymological. Uh, uh, I'll just, I'll just mash all this together in one super edit and make us look <laughs> super dumb using all these words wrong. Anyway, sounds good. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but age of Sigmar up to the time of tribulations is age of Sigmar 1.0. Hmm. And then the time of tribulation, soul wars is 2.0. The age of yeah. beast is now 3.0. I'm, I'm more, I'm more going at what in universe they'd call it. Unless you think they're, you know, <laughs> Sigmar is like, welcome to 3.0 boys. No. <laughs> uh, you know, cause they, I, I, I don't, you know, do they in universe, they refer to the age of chaos, you know, I, I, age of myth, age of chaos. Those feel like terms that they would actually use. Yep. But, yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, and so I'm just wondering like, in in universe do do they consider age of sigmar to encompass these later things the time of tribulations or are they separate and distinct like the age of sigmar happened and then there was the you know what i mean yeah that's a side ponder right Mm, right now the way the book writes it it's it's the age of sigmar contains the uh like time of tribulations and age of beasts are sub sets of the age of sigmar but uh maybe it's not Mm. super important Mark 3.14567, star date. <laughs> Gold. Nice. Uh, and then, again, this is this is a territory we've gone over before uh, mm-hmm. because uh, it's in Kragnos. How Kragnos mm-hmm. is uh, uh, busted out of, was it Twinhorn Peak? Am I remembering? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, goes on a rampage, uh, you know, links up with... Uh, Gordrak, they go after Excelsis. Uh, again, if you want to know all the sweet, sweet deets, go back to the episode that uh, these cool cats did uh, when uh, 
they cover Broken Realms, Kragnos. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think where it picks up this, the pieces that we might not know uh, starts at uh, a section called Return to Fangathrak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. since this is getting back into the pits, we got to give it to mm-hmm. Paul. Anything, so, sp- anything spider adjacent, we got to hand his way. I know, it's right? Contract- contractually obligated. So uh, basically, we get a little bit of a Princess Bide moment. All right, we have to go back to the beginning. So <laughs> Gordrak goes back to the pits of Garantia, where he started to find his mojo, and he goes and he binds that god beast worm using the Arachnoroks that are now basically like his best buds because he has subdued them in the past. And so he binds the, the worm and then he binds its mouth open and then barrels his way through the realm gate into the eight points, mm. followed by a massive force of spider fang as well. Mm. Um, yeah. So, he uses yeah. himself as bait to yep. uh, trick yep. Fangathrak into a whole bunch of webs. Well, into the chasm too, and the chasm closes around the worm because right. it's you know because all of Gur is alive and sentient. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think this could set up a Paul theory. Do you have one? Um, I mean, so Josh put this one in here, so I'll let him oh, do it. My no. my Paul theory is a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I just I just read that you know that large contingent of spider fang were impressed with with gordrak and followed him through and of course the war cry teaser we had this last weekend mm-hmm. it's got lots of innuations of spiders and you know teasing so you know whether this is related to that you know they mm-hmm. came in and he's now in the eight points or it's something different yeah mm-hmm. we'll see. so i might as well document my uh, my theory <laughs> yes. as well Okay. Uh, so in the video, they've if, got. This if you're like, if you're allergic to like super crazy, then you might want to set aside yeah. your headphones for you know the next ninety seconds or so. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I joke, but this you might actually have something with this anyway. Uh, so in um, Wrath of the Ever Chosen, we have Catacross going into the eight points, um, and Lady Olinder is actually attacked by spiders in what's called the Forest of Eyes. And they have what are called soul eater spiders, which I have to assume is some specific type of spider um, on their way. And then Catacross himself goes into the Varen Spire itself and just starts rampaging through this industrial uh, region of the city, which is run by Chaos Warden. And the video shows these like almost oil rigs that seem to be pumping up Ver- Veronite. Mm. And if we combine those two things together, we could get the Soul Eater Spiders versus the Chaos Warden in the caverns beneath Spire, and kind of fit all the theories. Um, and they have reached back into Wrath of the Everchosen a couple times to make the story move forward. So mm-hmm. that's definitely a possibility. Although Josh definitely has a great possibility here as well. Um, I'm not going to be disappointed in anything that gets us new spiders. So <laughs> yeah, you know, the symbol's I, different too. So you know, it's not quite spider fang. So, so yeah, it's well, different. But. My theory is that that's the new Chaos Warden eight pointed Chaos Star, but mm. it's not a star because it's a gear mm. to represent gotcha. their like industrial nature. But that's that's just a theory. So sure, mm-hmm. that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. quite a scry. Uh, I, I think we've got a question here that uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. kind of fits in well. Uh, Matt from the Set the Temple blog 
wants to know how does the banishing of Kragnos affect the war clans after the siege of Excelsis? Uh, does Gordrak take back control of the clans or is power lessened after ceding some control to Kragnos or did none of the Oryx notice? Mm-hmm. So I think this is a good question to ask when we get to the end um, is a follow-up question to this one. So the banishing of Kragnos affect the war clans after the siege of Excelsis. We start to get this two-headed approach. So we just talked about how Gordrak went to the bits of Gorentia, but Kragnos himself actually ends up in a chaos um, uh, fort, basically. Um, does Gordrak take back controls of the clans? Yes, he does. Is his power lessened after ceding some control to Kragnos? Absolutely. Um, uh, did none of the Oryx notice? Oh, the Oryx definitely noticed. Um, but that follows directly into, we're going to talk about the mouth of Mork, which is the next little story here, mm-hmm. um, which is Gobsbrack on his corpse, uh, corpse vulture. Um, mm-hmm. So he enlists Kragnos in this chaos fort after he's done rampaging through it in the Dreadspine Fortress of Chaos. And he shows up after the fighting of Excelsis. He doesn't even bother going to Excelsis because he knows that Kragnos is going to end up here. And then yeah, that's he, a that's a great scribe by him. Yeah, out yeah, right. where he's going to end up. <laughs> um, and he can somehow speak the language of Kragnos. And so he is the mouth of Mork, but he also is the mouth of Kragnos. And Kragnos gives him his full support. Um, so that's kind of a cool little um, update on the story because this is post the Kragnos Broken Realms book. Yeah. So. Uh, and I think if, you know, this is a little bit with this where, uh, you know, if you're looking for what things have cascaded on from uh, the Siege of Excelsis, uh, there's, you know, it, it pops up in a few spots like uh, the the Cruel Boy Shamans uh, having pilfered uh, glimmerings. And then that's helping mm-hmm. their uh, helping their ability to kind of foresee the future and that sort of thing. I thought that was kind of a cool little uh, uh, toss to continuity there. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So, yep. Yeah. Uh, Josh, do you want to talk about the Amberstone floods? Yeah. yeah this is a little fun uh, tidbit that's also kind of, uh, I couldn't tell if it was during the Siege of Excelsis or it was after, but, but essentially the crew boys had worked hard to, poison the surrounding land with with this uh, toxic swamp water and because Gur is alive they were hoping that if they poison enough area around excelsis that thondia would decide to slough off the city to get rid of this nastiness and just Mm -hmm. it would be gone (laughs) because there's this reoccurring theme throughout that the continents of of Gur are all alive and Mm. how how the you know Gur itself took a bite out of its moon and you know there's all sorts of really interesting tidbits of how it's alive in the world spirit, so to speak. And this was another example of that. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of gets us up to the, uh, the current state of affairs in, uh, mm-hmm. in age of Sigmar. Um, and we got anything else they want to talk about the history or should we jump on to the organization here? I'm going to jump on the organization. And if, if you don't mind, we're going to take one note here. We're going to kind of focus on the cruel boys mm-hmm. since the iron jaws and the savage orcs, um, we've kind of seen them before, mm. um, but we do have a couple little details, some of those little uh, fun uh, extensions of the lore to talk about there. So, um, but yeah, we're going to start with the cruel boys and kind of move forward from there. 
Yeah. The faction, as we've mentioned, kind of three big splits, Cruel Boys, Bone Splitters, Iron Jaws. And actually, each of those are split into three uh, kind of famed sub-factions, although I think you're more than welcome to create your own. But those are the ones that have rules uh, and, and so on. Uh, but they're, they're, it's, uh, it's more complicated than three sets of three. Uh, they're all kind of split in different ways. Um, but yeah, they, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll start with the cruel boys. Um, there was a, there's a cool aside here. It can't, there's some talk about, you know, what, what the, uh, cruel boys have been up to. Here's some more facts about their physiology and such. So let's, uh, let's run through some of those, some of the, the quirks, interesting mm-hmm. factoids we hear about them before we really kind of get into, uh, what those sub factions are and what they're different, uh, uh, organizational, uh, quirks are. Uh, Paul, why don't you run us through some of those? Um, so basically we've got the iron jaws and the savage orcs and the, the iron jaws really are just a hammer. Um, they do have some tactics, but they're just going to run up and they're just going to smash things, right? That's kind of what they do. Um, and then we've got the savage oryx and they're more of a nomadic tribe where they go and they try and take down the biggest beast that they can. They believe that the bones of monsters and the bones of Gur um, give them power. So the cruel boys are just like almost the complete opposite of both of those. They are this race that lives in the bogs and the swamps um, instead of a race that seems to enjoy battle. They seem to enjoy torture. Um, A lot of these unit entries, a lot of the things we're going to talk about are about them doing just straight up evil things. There is a lot of, I want to witness the pain or witness the pain or enjoy the pain Mm -hmm. of my victims. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to um, watch them suffer even if it's not at my hands, if I get to watch them, like that's kind of good enough. Uh, and so the cruel boys are Oryx that do still have, you know, a little bit of might makes right. We have killer bosses that are kind of the leaders who are the biggest and the baddest. And, and we've got, um, we've got these um, swamp Kala shamans, which are the magical leaders as well. Um, and we do have this organization where we've got these little tribes that they are organized into where some of them are going to be a little bit shooty. Some of them are going to be more focused on beasts. Um, But a lot of their background is about trapping and torturing and um, just messing with everyone else by and large. And, and as part of that, they don't want to be the showy flashy guys on the battlefield. They don't want their fortresses to be these big things that stand as a bulwark against the darkness. They literally just want to to slip into the shadows and have you never see them coming. And if they can win the battle before they actually have to get in close, well, that's the best result of all. Uh, and as part of that, they are constantly um, surrounded by this fog of the miasma of the swamps or the fog, um, just this very um, vision-reducing system. And the the overarching goal is 
to extend the swamps and the bogs that they live in to remove the possibility of anyone else being able to survive there. So that'd be kind of my like big overview of who these guys are. Yeah. Pretty solid. Um, they, uh, yeah, they really lean into what these guys, so there's, there's a lot and this being the, the new faction, uh, they spend a little more time on these guys, but to be fair, um, there's a, if you are, if you're new to Oruk war clans in general, there's still plenty of time spent on the other factions as well. But like, like yeah. Paul said, we're, we're, uh, we're leaning into the new stuff, but, um, I'll talk, uh, greening blades here. So cool. They're the, uh, they're the largest war clan. Um, and these are the ones that have, uh, scooped up a lot of the glimmerings that we've mentioned earlier. So they're, they're swamp collar shamans are a little more powerful. Uh, they, uh, they're, they're really lined up with, uh, Gobsprack and then by extension Kragnos, cause those two are kind of rolling together right now. Uh, Gobs, Gobsprack's gotten in tight with Kragnos. Uh, and to me that, you know, until reading the book, it felt a little out of character that, uh, why are the cruel boys like all in with this big sort of roaring force of nature guy that's kind of rampaging around. And for them, it, it, it seems like it maybe makes sense because they've got, they've got somebody to do the smashing up front, like brutal work. Uh, yep. and that's what they want. They want somebody to like draw attention to do all the heavy lifting. And then they'll kind of sneak in once, once he's, you know, battering rammed his way in through whatever, then they kind of sneak in behind and uh, start sowing the seeds of discord uh, on top of whatever they've already done in preparation. So it made is a little that, more is sense. Is that the mortal realms discord? Yeah, sure. Uh, right. Join now. www.themortalrealms.com slash discord. Yeah, actually, Aaron would love it if you came and joined us. If you're not already on our Discord, you should. We're almost at 500. 500 gets in those sweet, sweet, juicy stats that he can uh, crunch numbers with. I don't, I don't know if it changes anything for the rest of us, but uh, <laughs> think of it as a gift to him. Um, yeah, so uh, that's that's what uh, that's what those guys uh, lean into. They're they're kind of uh, I don't know if I want to say the the default, but but kind of the default, like mm-hmm. uh, yeah, them. yeah. So I would say that. Um, big yeller is another one. Um, where are they from? Yeah. So they're from, uh, the realm of metal shaman and, uh, they're, they're kind of the opposite of the grinning blades where they're, they're like, they're funny. They're super lazy. You know, they, <laughs> like, they're like so that lazy that they develop better technology that's more efficient. <laughs> so, so they've got the most range, you know, the Death Spikas tribe, they've got the most of those and they're very efficient weapons. They, they're using rafts and skiffs. They've even taken over cog forts and, yeah. and orcified them, <laughs> and uh, they use drawbridges and, and wheels and windmills, and you know they're very uh, you know mechanically inclined because they're so lazy. <laughs> so yep. <laughs> there's really funny descriptions there, though. There's but, uh, you know, but oh, yeah. go ahead. Oh, I just really enjoyed the orcified cog forts had uh, winch driven mega choppas. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine that, dude. I know, right? Rumble on. <laughs> Steam powered dreadnought sort of thing. <laughs> so. <laughs> but yeah, they also mentioned the uh, the big yellows interacting with, um, you know, what was that? Scrap. Uh, Scrap a spill. Yep. Yes, thank you. And, you know, and having a. Uh, Cahadrin scrap flotillas and things like that. So I was like, yeah. yeah, there's another reference of them. Yeah. 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 
Caradron are really letting some of those uh, uh, sky ships fall into the wrong hands here. Right. A little, few yep. too many times. Going to create a problem. Um, uh, tell us about the skull bugs. All right. So these are usually my favorite. Um, the skull bugs are the poisoners, and they are from Shayesh. Uh, or at least they, they came from Shayesh. Uh, they hail from the mangrove forest of Chitinia, which is a fun wordplay. Uh, mm-hmm. So I appreciate that, Phil Kelly or whoever wrote that. Um, it was an underworld that was once a haven for those who welcomed the insect as a symbol of industriousness and strength, which that word completely makes sense. And like, there's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. It just seems like the weirdest sentence to me. Like <laughs> it makes sense in an age of Sigmar way, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, well, I mean, you think of like a, a colony of ants and like how much they can lift relative to their size and how much they can get done. Like I, I buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, just like the idea that there's an underworld of people who are like, <laughs> I love right, these right. guys so much yeah, yeah. in Fair. in my death, I'm gonna yeah. go live with the insects. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, speaking of the insects, uh, they they call out three of them here: megapedes, which I, those seem like the things that we have on the trogoths uh, for Gloomspite gets. Um, mork skeeters <laughs> sounds even worse than mosquitoes yeah. and uh rhinox beetles uh which also sound massively oh, dangerous isn't that uh, what uh, alarial rides on right rhinox beetle <laughs> i don't know yeah. yeah yeah that's awesome um uh and their swamp caller shamans this is a, i thought interesting drove out the native spirits so does this mean that the the cruel boys actually completely took over this underworld to the point where there was no undead in this underworld and they <laughs> yeah. just took everything we're squatting here yeah yeah and, uh, yeah definitely i thought that was an interesting call out um and the spider fang like them a lot but the skull bugs view spiders as quote not proper bugs <laughs> so uh they despise the spider fang so that was that was a fun little call out as well yeah <laughs> um so that's that's uh they're kind of laid out like that there's uh those are the the sub factions they're, they're also also like set up into uh different tribes that have different mm-hmm. roles on the battlefield um and i don't do we talk about those a little bit later i mean they, generally speaking like each of the factions or each of the uh uh battlefield roles fall into different tribes like that uh here i don't know I, I've got it all in front of me now. So go for it. All right. So in addition to these three war clans, we also have these tribes. Um, so we've got the bad Stabas tribe, which is the Killaboss, the swamp called shamans, the Merc knobs and the gut rippers. So the mm. gut rippers are the basic battle line troops with the spears and the scare shields. Um, and that tribe is where basically most of the leaders come from until we get to the get snatches tribe which are like basically the beast wranglers. Mm. So um, those include the marsh crawler slogoff, the snatch a boss and the swamp boss. So those are the guys that are riding things a bit. Um, and then we've got the beast breaker tribe, uh, which has a breaker boss, which is on a different type of beast, <laughs> uh, a Meyerbrut trogoth. And then the Death spikers tribe, which are the beast brother, beast skewer killbo and the man skewer bolt boy. So those are the, the archers mm-hmm. of the, of the mm-hmm. clans. So, and then we've got the auxiliaries, which are 
everything else. Hobgratz, Gratz, and quote, other hangers on and chattel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I thought it was interesting, like you're in a tribe, but then you're, that's like separate from you know, whatever sub faction you're in. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that's kind of uh, interesting yeah, way to explain it. Is- formed of all the different tribes all to working together kind of and it did mention that the get snatches were like they harvest raw materials from animals people and then you know figure out how they're used and they and they make potions or and then and then use them for like taming and things like that so they they also sounded like they're more uh, resourceful sort of group yeah. yeah but a lot of the torturing i think also falls underneath their belt yeah let's talk hobgrats for a second right like they're mm-hmm. defined as Bigger than Gratz, smaller than Oryx. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're specifically chilling with the uh, uh, with the cruel boys to act as intermediaries. Like it, it's their uh, specific role. They're intermediaries with uh, Chaos Duarden, mm. um, who are mentioned pretty explicitly here. Um, yeah. And they need to be intermediaries because uh, – the the cast warden won't talk to the cruel boys after the war of the broken promise right mm-hmm. is, yeah. anyone, is that new i, I didn't yes. i wasn't aware of that okay mm-hmm. yeah we uh, haven't had any uh canon mention of chaos warden mm. um besides the war cry model yeah um right. except in hopgratz and we definitely have not had a mention in any other place of hashit Right. Right. specifically called out that these chaos warden worship hashit yeah mm-hmm. which uh for those who have no idea what i'm talking about and it makes no sense in the old um warhammer fantasy the Paul's chaos putting on his giant hat right now i am putting on a massive hat and i've got a <laughs> wonderful luxurious beard as well um and uh hashit is a bull god of chaos that was not one of the four major gods of chaos but kind of like a sub god, um, uh, he was represented by the bull, and so there was a lot of different bull motifs and bull elements, and that's why the chaos dwarves had bull centaurs. So, what we're definitely seeing a reintroduction of old lore into canon for AOS. So that was definitely a cool shout out. Yeah, uh, part of this uh, part of this relationship is funny though because the. Uh, the Hobgrats are, you know, they retain as part of their, as part of their kind of finder's fee for being these intermediaries. They, they keep uh, some of the weapons themselves. Uh, so yeah. some of the bombs and stuff that they, they get to use in the game are specifically, and they're like, yeah, we got the good stuff. Uh, and it mentions how the Chaos Duarden are like, uh, we, we gave them the stuff that like just our, our amateurs, our, our uh, starting out apprentices made there. Nobody would, should actually want these because they're so terrible. Uh, but the joke is that the slaves that the uh, cruel boys have traded them are the most sickly and worst slaves. So like, ah, give them the worst slaves. So each side is like convinced they're getting one over on the other side. Yeah, yeah. I guess is how all good negotiations go. How all yeah, bad exactly. negotiations? Was, I don't know. That's pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. So, um, And then kind of a couple more details here is that some of the cruel boys can survive completely submerged in the swamps for extended yeah. periods. Yeah, calls them partially aquatic. Pretty interesting, yeah. especially the swamp colors in particular. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and when they when they build their fortresses, their natural features become part of the defensive uh, yeah. abilities. So, like treetop gantries, crawlways, and caves or hollows. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was super cool. 
Um, and then not only do they live in the swamp, but like they're basically swamp rangers. If we're going to use a D and D term, like mm. they have a very um, intentional and intense knowledge of fauna and um, situational awareness for living in bogs. And so I kind of mentioned how one of their, one of their things is that they mess with other people through the swamps. And so they'll lead them on like these merry trails through the swamps just to get them to quicksand, right. Or just to get them to tar, um, tar mud uh, and watch them suffer and slowly die. Um, they did also have a cool sh- mention of something called funnel jaw spiders, <laughs> uh, which of course I thought was super cool. Um <laughs> And they talk about how they've had interactions with Git mob bosses, which I thought was cool as well, because that's a, a mm-hmm. faction we haven't seen before. Um, but I think it ties into here uh, another question from Ned. Um, do the Cruel Boys have any grudges against one of the other alliances? Um, I feel like Malarian's forces would be kind in the same vein as them and the similar tactics. So it's not called out that they have anything against them um, because we haven't heard anything about them. But oh my goodness, are they like totally against the Donners? And by totally against, like super fans of them wandering into the swamps <laughs> so they can watch them die over and over and over again. Yeah. Like, it seems like that's kind of part of the reason why this the crew boys are coming out now. Because they're like, oh, sweet, we get to kill all these people. And like one of their favorite things is to watch them come in in shiny armor and with shiny arms and watch their weapons drop into the swamp and make the people watch them dissolve or like Disappear. fall in and yeah. never come back. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. There was an interesting piece uh, as kind of parallel to that. It was the, uh, how cruel boys are kind of, they're not materialistic, right? Like they're mm-hmm. easy come, easy go. Like there's mm-hmm. no point in having something shiny because that just encourages somebody to like try and steal it off you or you might drop it in the swamp and lose it. So like, things are useful. It's useful to have a spear. Uh, but if you lose it, then you're going to make another one pretty quick. They're, they're good at making things. Uh, and they'd rather be kind of like a little run down, you know, and not, not attract attention, all that sort of thing. So, yeah. Uh, and it feeds and, into their philosophy of taking down something nice or perfectly made or, you know, the other people have done like, Oh, you know, you're showing off. We're going to show you and, you know, destroy everything you just did. So, Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's just all throughout this, you can almost see like some of the, you can almost read what some of the design brief must have been, you know, cause they talk about like the gut rippers use spears and spears, uh, keep them safer. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, uh, that's why they don't use a chopper cause you can, you can poke someone from a safer distance away and like, you're like, oh, right. Like, and I'm sure when they were, when they were talking about this is what this faction is and, you know, they were reasoning what weapons would they carry. I, it was it was kind of fun to like almost kind of see through, see read between the lines and see how they uh, came up with some of these models. You know. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One uh, one aspect I thought I'd mention here is you know in each faction they kind of talk about how are they structured for battle and you know and that sort of thing. But the I thought the the one for the crew boys is really well done. It's called the claw, and it's just essentially a hand, a five fingered hand. But the way they describe some of them are just absolutely hilarious. Like you know, the leaders of the thumb, 
And so they say everyone else is under the thumb, which yeah. is, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I, I thought it was hilarious that they mentioned the middle finger <laughs> are, are, is the group that's supposed to go insulting people and rile them up. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> Yeah. Like, oh well well done and ton of cheek it was great yeah i did jump to that like after i read the thumb i'm like oh i wonder if they they do they're like yeah they nailed it all right cool. <laughs> yeah yeah it was hilarious yeah no it's, so, it's cool that's a big uh you kind of look over the uh the cruel boys and we'll, we'll kind of give a quick run through on the on the iron jaws uh and the bone splitters here so that the iron jaws uh, they're also kind of nomadic. It mentions a couple of times. This is something we already, we do know this, but they, they, uh, they make their armor by punching it into shape, which, uh, <laughs> I don't know about the physics of that, but fine. Uh, and so they, they, they punch their armor into shape and they, it says like, it sounds real frustrating, but they kind of see it as a fight. Like they're mm-hmm. fighting the piece of metal. And so that's pretty fun for them. Um, yeah. they, well, uh, go ahead. And it, a lot of it is because they believe that they can do it, right? Mm. It's not that like a normal person would be able to punch metal and shape it, but I think a lot of it comes from like, oh yeah, I can punch this, yeah. and it'll Seems... and it turn into something useful, and it won't actually get weaker because they talk about it later. Like yeah. you would think if you just punch something, it would just make the metal super weak. No, not with these guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. So. Uh. And then important is their relationship with Kragnos here, right? Like they respect him because he's big and tough but they're not going to admit that he's more powerful than Gordrak because they can't admit that anyone's more powerful than uh, an iron jaw. So Mm -hmm. uh, I thought that was hilarious. Refusing to concede that point. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Yeah. I mean, basically their whole section is summed up by brute force and ignorance, which is pretty great. So, (laughs) 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 Um, but I think the other iconic uh, part for them is that, uh, the more they fight, the bigger they get, right? Like yeah. that's, that's, uh, mm-hmm. they, they thrive off conflict. And I think, you know, one of the first times we kind of saw these guys was real early on in Age of Sigmar, like, uh, where they, it was like, oh, they, the, the first, uh, brutes kind of appeared because they'd been fighting chaos for 500 years. And so when, uh, when the Sigmarites return when uh, the Stormcast Eternals arrived. They're like, oh, snap. Some of these guys are real big because they've been fighting so long. Um, I think there's even a, a part of the Hunt for Manfred series where there's some like really, really, really big ones that show up like kind of almost God beast size. But <laughs> um, yep. Anyway, uh, Josh, you want to run down uh, Bone Splitters for us? Yeah, yeah, no. So uh, they're they're a very interesting faction, very um, you know kind of infused with the spirit of Gorkamorka, and, and believe that there's a world spirit, and they kind of in touch with the the ley lines of the different realms, the geomancy, and um, uh, you know as as Davey mentioned, they kind of travel around looking for the biggest beasts to get the bone, and um, as part of that is they eat the marrow to get the the animal's essence and power. They also accidentally kind of uh, get amber as well, apparently, and. And uh, talks about how they use the the amber realm stone to coat the arrow tips and, and weapons and, and use it mm. in a in a sort of a specific way to to make people angry when they get hit by it and then turn on each other and so it was really interesting how they kind of use all of that. But um, but they talk about the connection with the land and that they you know believe Gur is alive and there's again you know lots of mentions of how it how it works and how the continents are slowly devouring the continent that. Kragnos came from and, and um 
you know, and how they're traveling around the, the different factions have different goals. And one of them wants to kind of split open Gur and devour parts of its essence for their own power. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so usually we, uh, we hit what, uh, kind of motivates these guys. We've kind of talked about it quite a bit, um, already sort of what, what drives these different ones. Does anyone have anything to add to that? Um, we did have one more question here from uh, Ned, uh, who said, mm. it's a bit curious if there's any major engagement, engagements or animosity between the Gorks and the Morks and the Gorka Morkas, and how the Iron Jaws and the others view the Cruel Boys and their tactics. Um, and I, I think it just comes down to the Cruel Boys are like, we don't want to fight at all. We want to like do everything we can, so when we actually get there, they're just absolutely destroyed. And the Iron Jaws are like, What? It's literally the point of life. Like the point of life is to go smash things. Yeah. And the bone splitters are like, why are you fighting unless you're getting power? Like you go and fight because fighting is cool. Right. But like you want this power, this essence of the bones and like become bigger and stronger and, and more believing in, in what it is that you do. And the cruel boys are just like these lazy gits that's in the swamps and are like, just, I mean, if you're within five feet of me, sure, I'll 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 put some effort through, and well, and make sure you die in a way that amuses me. Right? Well, it does say like they'll they're lazy in some aspects, but they'll walk a hundred miles to stab you in the back. Like, yes. I think that specific line is in there, so they're motivated for for particular things. Um, patient. Yeah. yeah, they they talk about iron jaws. They their intention is to match strength with strength. Like they want to go up against your toughest. They want you to be at your strongest when they fight you because that's how they prove their best. Uh, and the cruel boys are all about, you know, a fair fight is something that other people do. Like, not <laughs> yeah, them. like yeah. why, why would you engage in a fair fight? That's crazy. Um, yeah, they say to win. Yeah. Yeah. It's salted all through there. There was a great, uh, mini story in there where they're, uh, they're fighting with the Dawnbringer crusade and there's some of those floating metaliths and, uh, the, the cruel boy character, you're kind of, you have the point of view from is, is watching and, and, um, some of the uh, Dawnbringers are, are firing guns off the top of the uh, off the top of the uh, metalists, and he says like that's cheating. And instead of it being indignant, he's like that's cheating. He said it approvingly, like, <laughs> like good job, you guys. Like I'm impressed. Way to cheat. Uh, I, I was like, ah, oh, that's yeah. that's just a nice touch. That was that was a yeah. That's the kind of stuff that kind of makes the makes the lore for me. If you can find that. Yeah. Uh, way to lean into their way of thinking. Um, all yeah, right, that, that reminds me of the one of the uh, the big yellows. It, it does specifically mention one character who's so famous because he's so good at gambling, and he's got like this oh, yeah. gambling <laughs> ring set up with the animals and and everything else. Yeah, yeah. I, if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to talk about that a little bit more because like yes, it's no, one of my definitely. favorites. So this is Swamp <laughs> Boss Gumdreck Gitsnatcha Boss. Yes, yes. He has a menagerie of beasts, and they're all predators trapped in mangrove root cages. Oh, yeah. He rides Slopclaw, a sludge raker that he captured in his youth. He's, like, old and blind, but, like, <laughs> still the most vicious one. So he's totally going to do that. And he's, like, an inveterate gambler. But <laughs> the way he gambles is that he releases captives into his menagerie and then slowly releases some of his pets. And people bet on how long they're going to live. Yeah. Uh, and then they had the Countin crew, which is a bunch <laughs> of hobgrots with a troll 
like enforce the rules and cause accidents. And yeah, they're like, like taking the bets. Yeah, and now he's just like massively rich, just inviting people to come and watch everybody get tortured. Oh man, like it was, I was hilarious. Like, oh, this is like what uh, you know the you know this is straight out of fantasy and sci-fi fiction from the 1950s, 1960s of like just going to try and kill as many people as possible as you hunt them through. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Gun, all that kind of stuff. So like a running man thing. Yeah. I mean, side note, all these factions and sub factions, uh, I mean, all these sub factions, they actually explicitly list who the head head person is for each of those. I, yeah. Super I was, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, they were like, here's the, uh, war gog, shaman that is in charge of this you know particular bone splitter tribe and here's you know all that uh winter is like oh that adds a little bit more character to each of those that was kind of fun Um, yeah so uh let's talk about oh did we answer this uh gorks versus morks how the iron jaws view others yeah we kind of addressed that so um let's talk about uh how the how the rules meet the table so like there's there's a whole bunch every every unit gets a, a rundown uh and it is prohibitive to go through every single one here yeah. uh why don't you give me your favorite paul um i don't know if it's my favorite because it's like give me one that you want to talk about paul. yeah i know <laughs> because everyone is super evil like yeah. that is the enduring theme is that every single unit entry are just like dark and evil and mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to talk about the Marsh Crawler Slogoths, mm. um, oh, which yeah. are Yeesh. the, uh, those are the Trogoths. So like, that's the creepy face one with the this grots on the back. Going on all fours. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it, it preys on the weak. It eats out, it eats children intentionally and tries to like find the weakest thing because it's still super lazy, but extremely patient. And just it sounds like the most vile thing ever. So when they when they capture them, they actually weigh a weight around its neck to make sure it can't stand up, which is why it has to walk on its hands and feet. Yeah. It's just like, oh, that is super dark. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. the other thing that was like uh effectively creepy about them is they apparently have like weirdly flexible arms like yeah and specifically like yeah they talked about putting their hand up an arrow slit yeah like reached up through a murder hole it was like one of the blurbs and like managed to mush guys there like you're like okay we're safe up oh my god here comes like straight out of a horror (laughs) movie like (laughs) ruse yeah uh what'd you like out of the cruel boys there josh um, one thing that uh, we didn't mention in the kind of their background, but they had these scare shields, mm. and um, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, the shields have got these faces on them, and it, it goes through several different sections. It just describes that they're they're designed to scare predators in the marsh, you know. So the predators are so dumb witted that they'll kind of see them and go, "Oh, it's another predator," and they'll kind of leave them alone. But but that they use them also to scare people coming into the swamps where they have the fog and the mist. And then uh, humans or other people will be coming into the swamp and they'll see all these faces and they'll be terrified. And they mentioned that the swamp collars will also throw psychedelic agents into the mist and the fogs. (laughs) And and then they'll use this bioluminescence on the eyes to make them glow and the shields. And it was a really neat description of how they use these shields to scare predators as well as 
other people coming into the swamps, really kind of this boogeyman feel. I thought it was really cool descriptions. But... Yeah. 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 It was, uh, it, I, you can, I, I really like the, the combination of, of all those things, like basically give your opponent a bad trip. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Terrify them first before you take them out. But yeah. Make them weak. That's, that's all that they're all about. Yeah. Uh, I really liked, uh, reading about the Hobgrot Slittas. Um, yeah. They're more militaristic. They're more organized. Uh, they, they will, you know, if, if the, if the cruel boys are like paying close attention, then they, they kind of like keep it tight. Uh, and then as soon as they're like looking the other way, they start talking smack about the, the cruel boys, you know, uh, uh, they're, they're still like nasty to each other backstabbers, but they, they, they tighten up in, in battle, which is interesting. And, uh, also of course it was fun to have that direct connection to, uh, a faction we don't know very much about and who knows might become a full blown something. Um, yeah. so that was fun. Um, anybody, Another I mean, thing, uh, Oh, go ahead. Oh. Well, I was gonna say, another thing I thought was uh, was funny when it, it talks about uh, you know the uh, was it corpse Frippa, the vulture and how, you know mm-hmm. how it was caught by how the, how they live and how they're caught where they'll they'll kind of dig up the roots of a tree so it kind of dies but it's <laughs> yeah. still strong and then they'll they'll capture something and then they'll spike it on the branch of the tree and then they'll yeah. just wait for the predators to come and start eating it. And then it'll dive down, grab one of them, eat part of it, and spike it on the tree and repeat the process. Yeah. It's just like, ooh, vicious predators in these swamps. Everybody's got really strong stomachs in this faction because, like, the vulture wants to, like, make sure they're nice and juicy rotting. The the mire brute tragas, like, they'll they'll kill their prey and then, like, stuff them in the swamp and just let them fester like so they're soft like the opposite of refrigeration <laughs> like take your food and put it in the rottiest area that you can like yeah. oh yeah now it's all soft and gooey now now it talks about it. how the crew boys secrete <sighs> this oil on their skin too whether to be yep. slippery to avoid the grasp of predators or because they've just eaten so many frogs and poisons and yeah it's yeah. like yeah it's yeah. all really slimy vile group <laughs> yeah. yeah there was like a uh oh they they talk about folk heroes a number of times they i think they use that term more than once uh mm, so yeah. mm-hmm. wrapping around to the kilobosses there was one kiloboss who was like particularly cowardly ish like kept on kind of scoring the win uh by being off to the side or you know whatever um and uh, one of one of his plans ended up uh, was they they downed a gargant. I don't know. I'm, am I messing this up? Is this an iron jaw? No. Is yeah, it iron it's, jaw? it's iron jaws. Yep. Yeah, it is. Okay. Was it? Uh, but yeah. No, that that, yeah. Yeah. Though. Now I'm, yeah, I'm thinking about it. So. Oh uh, well, there is actually um, a story in the Killaboss entry about a Killaboss named Bogdrock mm-hmm. who trapped a mega gargant in a cave. Yeah. with what it called biting stalactites <laughs> and then sawed its head off while it was prone and then emptied out its skull and used that as a boat to escape from the cavern. That's like, yeah, there's oh my, like, gotta be a better way to get a boat. Like, yeah, yeah no, it's, it's the folk stories, like you said, is that, you know, yeah. they gain fame and then, you know, yeah, yeah. it gets passed along. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the thing I liked about this is that if, this was one of those stories that you would usually see in the timeline. Hmm. And like, that was yeah. a super fun little, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not, uh, not even, uh, 
not even the iron jaws can get away from the, the gross out stuff. There was, uh, what I was thinking of was, uh, there was an iron jaw hero that, uh, he was kind of getting in on some of the wins by like jumping at the last minute, like let everyone else do the hard work yep. and then jump, jump up and get the killing blow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when he gets called out on it, they're like, Hey dude, you gotta, you gotta like toughen up. You need to be part of the, the killing team. Like, why don't you, why don't you go get, uh, like go to this cavern. There's mock right. Like you, you're going to lead the hunt on this. He's like, yeah, whatever. That sounds fine. Uh, I'm, I'm too busy to argue with it about, about it right now, but I, I'll do that. So then he starts leading the way and mock rushes have this big giant bellowing, you know, yell It's even a rule in the game. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he goes in and like, everyone's like, like getting stunned by the, how loud this bellow is. And he isn't because he's thought ahead about it because disgustingly enough he's uh stuffed his ears full of wax and the wax he got was from the giant they killed the day before yeah. like put a giant's earwax in his own ears so that he wouldn't be deaf and i was like man you are gross uh and then climbs on the back of the the mock russia and gets that yeah which which leads into you know we talk about the 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 gorks uh they they even refer to him as goruks and moruks sometimes mm-hmm. like uh yeah but the thing is like you can lead you can lead a war clan like it's it's results matter more than uh more than how you get there a lot like it it's it's not that it doesn't matter at all but it even uh it says you know whatever four out of five times like the biggest and the strongest are going to get to the top but the rest of the time sometimes just somebody who's clever and they're they're they got their work cut out from them because they, they have to be nonstop clever right like they can't uh, but it said even to the extent that a, uh, a a grot can end up being in charge, like a clever enough grot, they'll be like, well, you know, if you manage to off the previous guy, you managed to beat the previous guy, you're you're cunning enough to do it. Uh, yeah. Keeping us entertained, and yeah. we've always got a fight coming. We'll better, stick with you. <laughs> yeah, better stay cunning though, because if you don't, <laughs> uh, so that that was uh, so you know I, I think of that because this was an example of an iron job being particularly cunning. So yeah, uh, exactly. All right. Any other, uh, any Oruk units that we haven't talked about that you'd like to talk about? Uh, there was one that I, you know, just because I was unfamiliar with the, the faction as a whole per se, mm-hmm. but, uh, it talked about art boys and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize this about, you know, again, the savage orcs and the art boys apparently are just regular Oruks until mm-hmm. something in their life. They, you know, in terms of the, uh, bone split as they get infused with wah energy and can't get rid of it and then they then they kind of become a bone splitter but the art boys are just like you know i just want to i want to be more like that iron jaws i want to be bigger and stronger and then they just kind of follow them around until they they start becoming bigger and stronger so i didn't realize that you know so that was it was kind of an interesting tidbit that some of them choose a path mm-hmm. you know or called so to speak but yep yeah that was in the last book and I, I, I appreciate that a lot. It's a super fun little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I'd like to talk about another unit, but we, we've kind of already talked a little bit, a little bit about, but it's a uh, gobsprack, the mouth of Mork. Mm, um, sure. so we talked about kind of how he rose to prominence and he is like a now character. As in, like, after the events of Mortal Realms or Broken Realms Kragnos is when he has come into the narrative. Um, And one of the interesting things is that, as you mentioned before, Davey, he actually takes mementos from the things that he killed. Mm -hmm. And there was an interesting 
moment here where it talks about how he went and took the magic mushrooms from Snazgar Stinkmullet's corpse. Yeah. Which I thought was a really interesting thing because um, this is kind of one of my big questions um, is it kind of ties into several of the other questions here. So we have a question from Sever. I guess the only follow-up I have is if the cruel boys have been essentially hiding for years, how did Gobsprack become the mouth of Mork? Or did it not happen until after they came out of the swamps? And again, because right now, it literally just happened within the last, what, 10 years in the timeline. Um, But then we have a question from Dark Alec here is what happened after Excelsis? How angry is Kragnos? Is, quote, he's still a big dum-dum. Those are not my (laughs) words. Those are Darth Alex. But it plays into a theme that I, I feel like I read when I was reading this narrative is that um, Gordrak has been the motive force for the Oryx ever since he got a miniature, which was, you know, three or four years ago. And it talks about how he had this meteoric rise from kind of nothing. And then he starts in the Pins of Garantia. He finds the first thing. And then Snazgar tells him to go to the second place. And he's actually defeated um, by this coalition force of the Stormcast and the Fire Slayers. And they actually bring down the Storm Vault on top of themselves in order to make sure that he can't get the thing in there. Mm-hmm. Right. And then um, Snazgar is still like, well, but we can still get it. We just need to stop and dig it out. It's still there. And this is a thing that you need in order to fulfill your mission. Right. Hmm. Yep. But then Gordrak kills him because mm-hmm. he's just like, I'm done with this. I'm done with all this waiting. I'm done with all of this ridiculousness going on. And when Gordrak finally does make it to Excelsis, he has this like massive, powerful thing that we've had several stories about from the beginning of Age of Sigmar almost. And he runs it into the walls of Excelsis and it literally just falls apart. Mm-hmm. So my question is why did that happen and a lot i think a lot of the answer that they've talked about this book is how the orgs have to believe that something is possible for it to be possible mm-hmm. and when gordrak killed snazgar he had the you know grots stop believing in him when he comes up against kragnos he has the orcs stop believing that he's the biggest and the baddest right it even talks about in the battle tome of well, Kragnos obviously beat Gordrak, but the Iron Jaws are not actually capable of believing that Kragnos could be stronger because Kragnos is not an Iron Jaw, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And especially when we have Gobsprack go and take the magic item that made Snazgar Snazgar, and now is taking that to lead Kragnos it really feels like we're getting a question and we're getting an exploration of how much does the belief that a thing happens define what's going on. And my question is, because Kragnos beat Gordrak, did the orcs and the orcs couldn't believe in him? Is that what stopped Kragnos from actually destroying Excelsis? Because Gordrak was defeated by Kragnos, could he never have defeated Excelsis with the items because he didn't a finish the quest and B everybody didn't believe that he was this big, strong thing that could destroy the world anymore. And then to kind of like 
tag on to that, it talks about how he had to basically build up his mojo again by mm-hmm. going back to the bits of Garantia. And then it doesn't talk so much about this massive wah that he has going with him. He just, but it talks about having some and then the spider fang. So I think if I'm going to have an overarching theme for the battle tome and how it addresses the ongoing narrative, it's really about how much they believe that Gordrak can do these things, how much they believe that Kragnos can do these things. Mm-hmm. And Gobsbrack is now building up the belief in the Cruel Boys that Kragnos can do whatever he wants. Mm. Right? So if that all makes sense, uh, I thought that was an int- a very, very fun exploration uh, in the book, in the battle tome. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and then, you know, as parts of that, it talks about Kragnos and, and how we became more than mortal because the belief of the orcs had in him, you know, Correct. that they are thought he was a god and they followed him and they fought with him and then eventually he just got more and more powerful as he ate amber stone and and Mm -hmm. through their belief so you know it was interesting and and like you said you know in terms of gordrak and then kragnos both being extremely powerful and then having followers that towards the end of the book when it talks about gordrak heading into the a points and he's got his large contingent of spider fang and 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 iron jaws and other orcs who are following him Mm -hmm. that so you know, it, it has a small mention that oh yeah, everybody knows Kragnos is brawny, but some some believe Gordrak is is brawn and cunning, and maybe he's better fit to lead the Great Wa. You know, so it was like oh okay, is this setting it up for some sort of civil war or destruction, or is this the two headed you know Gorkamorka we got going on here? Yeah, <laughs> we're just gonna fight each other, and then eventually it'll make up again. You know, so it's, it's kind of interesting, but but yeah, so you know Gordrak's like oh, I'm gonna go take on Archeon instead, and then I'll get to Azir through that gate because he knows how to do it. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I think uh, I think Paul kind of did some good summing up there. I think he's got one more kind of grand uh, yeah. grand uh, thought about this before we get there. Are there any bits and pieces that uh, we haven't touched on? You know, whether it's to do with bone splitters or iron jaws or anything like any any uh, bits that you particularly enjoyed from there. Um, I, I've got a a couple. So I'll start with one. I'll give you a chance to, uh, to think about it. And this could just be like offhand comments that we, you didn't get a chance to touch on, but you enjoyed. Um, I, I noticed the, uh, bone grins and I, I read the original, uh, bone splitters army book, but, uh, I don't think I read the in between cause there was a, uh, there was a combined mm-hmm. iron jaws, bone splitters. Uh, and, uh, so this may be something that I got introduced there, but they talked about, uh, the bone grins, uh, sub faction, they're putting a lot of amber bone in their arrowheads, mm-hmm. uh, yep. that were particularly painful for monsters. And then it would also get them kind of berserk and pull them in. I kind of expected, I, I did a scheme of the rules. I didn't see anything about that. It was a little bit surprising. Uh, so mm-hmm. you just kind of have to, uh, headcanon that, but I, that sounded like somebody was setting up a, a rule that would force a, a charge or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. it too. Yeah. But, uh, I didn't see that, but, uh, same um, with the ice bone, you know, they, they supposedly had like really cold freezing wah arrows, you know, ice tips weapons that would freeze people and mm-hmm. slow them down. But you know, again, yeah, no, no particular rules. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, and that, that's okay. Uh, I, it, it's fun to have the rules for it, but also like, it's fun to not like, it's fun to not have rules that are, you know, so specific that you can't, you know what I mean? Like, like, mm-hmm. uh, 
it might be fun to paint up your guys's ice bone. And if you have like this huge, powerful rule, I don't know. Anyway, so I thought right. that was cool. Do you guys have anything else that you uh, wanted to touch on? I had one quote that I really liked, but I'll, I'll give you guys a chance here. I, I just loved how, even though we already, like, I know I've said it already, but we, we got to the, the point and pointy end of the narrative mm. just four months ago. And that we've expanded upon that narrative and moved it forward with the characters that moved the forward forward four months ago in an engaging and really fascinating way to my mind. Mm. Um, so I, I really appreciated that for sure. Mm-hmm. What about you, Josh? Anything else you want to hit? Uh, no, nothing in particular. Go for it, man. Uh, I, I So I, as often is the case, I particularly enjoy the quotes and asides uh, uh, and the little, you know, mini paragraph stories. But there was one quote. I'll read the quote, but um, it was best for uh, for the attribution afterwards. So saying, got, got enough iron jaws together? You got yourself a mob. Get enough mobs together? You got yourself a fist. Get enough fist <laughs> mm-hmm. together? Well, then you got what we call a brawl. See, because there's going to be a good punch up or whatever happens. But when you get the brawls together, or but when you get the brawls get together, boys, then you got something really special. You got yourself a wah, and then that's the true to do. Boss Bakraka accidentally sounding the last charge of Wag Bakraka. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Nobody was listening. They just heard the wah at the end, and then like set off charge. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, that was an awesome quote. On that topic, they did have a pronunciation guide to that wah. Like, yeah. it <laughs> must be pronounced in like. Uh, spittle flying, sinew stretching, like throat tearing volumes. <laughs> like the the pronunciation guide was not how not like how to form the vowels. It was like just how loud it was. <laughs> Presentation. <laughs> as long as long as it was loud, you you said it right. So I was like, oh, all right, here we go. Uh, yeah. Uh, but Paul, uh, you uh, you've got you had you had a good wrap up already. But what what else? What's your final thought here on this on this book? So um, I have shared before when we talked about Dominion, I was like, oh, I like the Cruel Boys, but they seem like they're grots to me, right? And mm-hmm. and you had mentioned um, something when we were talking about that that made me think about it a little bit more. And you were like, well, but it's a new thing. And I like that it's a new thing. And I like that it's pushing the idea of what orcs are. And mm-hmm. like that's a space that I want them to explore, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's what I enjoy. And I agree with you. And so I had to like kind of think about what it was that was kind of like just making it not quite fit in my head. And I think I finally have come up with an answer. And the answer is that the the Cruel Boys range is amazing. All the miniatures are fantastic, right? The background totally makes sense to me why they are what they are, right? the evilness is just it's something that surpasses what a grot would be in my mind because it is so vindictive Mm -hmm. um and every single unit in the cruel boys are evil but the thing that really struck me as i was thinking about this is that the cruel boys range is like an orc and goblin army from fifth edition and what i mean by that is it literally is almost every model every unit that we had as an orc and goblin army in fifth edition. We had a giant model on a centerpiece, uh, which was the, the wyvern with the war boss, but now we've got the vulture, right? And you've got a caster and you've got um, a fighter. 
you've got a bunch of grots um riding on chariots you've got poison like they have in the spider fang like everything kind of fits with something that was released there you even have the hobgrots which are very much acting the same um as they did in fifth edition you have these big beasts you the chariots have been replaced by monsters now um but even the common grots had shooters which are now the 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 crossbows and then they had bolt throwers which are now just a single grot holding the bolt thrower and i love that because i love when they go back and they take inspiration from models that they've already done and <laughs> they especially did that in the design where they took models from like you know first or second edition of warhammer fantasy bottle battle and brought them into um, the new design ethos and made mm. some absolutely incredible models. My issue is that when you take that gorgeous new range and then say, but they're just one of the three sets of orcs right now, that's where the disconnect happens because this model range feels like a bit of a reset from what we had before. Nothing kind of looks the same. The grots look different. The, the orcs look different. Which again, I am totally here for, but especially when they go through with the the setting, and they talk about the lore and how everything is evil. What I guess I wanted out of it was I wanted the cruel boys to have this overarching, you know, crusade, very similar to the Dawnbringer Crusade, which is we're better, we're sneakier. Our mission is to go and wipe out all the rest of the orcs because look at how awesome we are and look at what we can do. Hmm. Interesting. And, I yeah. oh, go ahead. I won't. And, and, and so because they just kind of want to stay in the swamps and they, they seem to be lazy is where the disconnect happens with me because they feel like the civil war happening right here. And oh my gosh, would I have loved a civil war between orcs and orcs. Yeah, I mean, orcs fight orcs all the time, right? I, yeah. I think I think uh, you're not going to get the the hey, we need to wipe out the rest because I think at their core, although you have you know Morkers and Gorkers and Gorkamorkers, they all know that it, they serve a twin headed god. They all come from a twin, so they they're like, hey, we lean into this, but there's there's still that other. Aspect. We'll we'll fight them, but you still like like I said, like the results matter more than the the methods. I think yeah. is, that's why that's there. So, uh. Well, before yeah, we go well, ahead, Josh, I was just going to say one more thing. I thought in the book they did, um, they did mention, you know, kind of going back to the crew boys and how they're depicted as, is like a bullies and mean and vindictive and, but careful planners and patient, you know, cause they, you know, the ends justify the means sort of thing. But, uh, it did mention that some of the other orcs had mentioned that, you know, Maybe the the crew boys, you know, they have that glint of Mork in them, but maybe they also have that bitter chaos streak from the corruption of of Gur, you know. Mm. So maybe that's where a lot of that evil, vindictive behavior comes from, and maybe that that was like a the orcs, you know, maybe maybe that's why they are the way they are, but perhaps it is, you know. So I think that was kind of a neat kind of drop, like oh, maybe they're somewhat tainted, and that's why they kind of the way they are instead of just a natural force of destruction. Mm. They're a little twisted because of. Gur is a little twisted. Yeah, I missed that. Um, they, I mean, it's right there in the name. They really leaned into the cruel on those guys. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got I got a final question for you guys to ponder here. So, All right. uh, 
you gotta you gotta be in one of these war clans. Are you are you an Iron Jaw? Are you a Cruel Boy? Are you a Bone Splitter? We'll go to Paul first. I am a Skullbugs Cruel Boys. (laughs) (laughs) Reliable, reliable. Nice. What about you, Josh? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I really love the idea of the scare shields. I got to say that, you know, <laughs> subjecting your victims to psychedelic marsh gases <laughs> and having them freak out, with them, it just sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, for me, I, as much as I enjoyed reading about the Cruel Boys, as much as I enjoy the range, I, I got to go back to Bone Splitters. Cruel Boys are just like a little too mean and icky for me. Like they're yeah. super evil. Oh, they're so. <laughs> they are. I mean, yeah, so so mean. Um, so uh, I just like the the exuberance. Uh, it feels. I mean, obviously they're doing a lot of like mm-hmm. killing and all that sort of thing. But I just like the sort of pure hearted, uh, exhilarating. Yeah, primal uh, nature, yeah, like their primal force of nature, sort of thing. Just yeah. out there having a good time. Those those bone splitters. So yeah, uh, yeah no, I always I enjoy that. They, they're always they always pop up with magic you know, tattoos. And, yeah, exactly. Dancing and lightning. But um, <laughs> uh, before we close out, we do we do want to say thanks to uh, we want to say thanks to our patrons. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's very much appreciated. Um, if you if you want to look into that, um, you can do so. Um, but uh, very much appreciate the people taking the time, and very much appreciate that people take the time to come chat with us on the Discord. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys, uh, uh, men and women, boys and girls on there that that uh, kind of bring that positive energy. I really appreciate that. It's a, it's kind of a great place to go and uh, just catch up with folks. So mm-hmm. uh, thanks for thanks for we kind of. By we, I mean Aaron. <laughs> Set up the the framework of of uh, what that is, but all all the listeners who who come and join that kind of have uh, have made that the home that it is. And I just wanted to express a little gratitude for that. Um, for sure, yeah, yeah. agree. It's awesome. Oop, and I guess before I forget, we do owe uh, some thanks to Games Workshop. They did send us a review copy of this, which we mm-hmm. passed around um, mm-hmm. to be, so we could uh, give you this uh, give you this overview um, and get it out there. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to leave you guys with this one one more thought here. Um, right. This is this is uh, accompanying a picture of Bone Splitters fighting against uh, Nurgle Rotbringers. Uh, they're they're just thrashing at each other uh and your your wisdom your auric wisdom for the day is don't eat none of that chaos (laughs) (laughs) it's time for our reforging but sigmar willing will be back soon like subscribe share leave a review join us in discord drop a tip on our patreon anything you can do will spread the word of sigmar farther than we can on our own chat with us anytime about your thoughts on twitter uh, you can get us at the Mortal Realms. Paul, where can they get you? At PJ Shard. Josh, how about you? At J.E. Arrington. I'm at Red underscore Zeke. If you want to uh, talk to me or if you want to talk uh, Underworlds, you can get me at WTHCast. And you can find all our Mortal Realms shows and content at www.themortalrealms.com. And I'm a rat of rough. I'm at.
I might have a couple off the cuff questions at the end that are supposed to. As you're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, I, and, I, and I won't even answer myself. I, I, I got to play one. the Aaron part to the hilt. 